Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger, right here on the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you being here. I'm happy to be here, too. And uh, I know that uh, we're going to have a great show together. Now, it's been a while since we've been together. It's been a while since I've been on. And um, I think that was the longest I've ever taken off uh, hosting the Howie Silberger Show in all the years I've been hosting the show. So 30 seasons, uh, a little less than 30 years. I think that's the longest break I've ever taken. And it wasn't a voluntary break. It wasn't something I wanted to do. It wasn't something I, I, I planned to do. It was something that I ended up doing. Um, what, what happened was I, uh, I, I got prescribed some new medication. I have a, um, I, I have a slight uh, medical problem that requires medication, and uh, I, I took some new medication. And I ended up with a, a bad reaction to new medication. So bad, in fact, that it, 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 it turned out that um, I, I, was, uh, I was unable to function um, after taking this medication. It was terrible. And so um, I forced myself to go to work to finish off the school year, but I really didn't have the stamina. And even now, I'm not sure I have the stamina to do a show every night. Uh, it really, it really robbed me of my stamina. It robbed me of uh, of a lot of things that I took for granted. So I had to take some time off, and I, I took I took a month off, uh, a little more than a month off. I think it was two months actually, the longest period of time I've not done radio uh, in my entire adult life. And I took the time off to, uh, to, to recover, to recuperate. And I'm almost there. I'm almost back. Uh, so uh, I'm going to do the show. Uh, I'm going to do it tonight, and uh, I'll be on periodically throughout the week. Uh, <laughs> it's almost halfway through the week already. Uh, I'll try to come on tomorrow, and I'll try to come on on Thursday. Uh, but if I don't come on, just know that it's because I couldn't physically do it, not because I didn't want to be here. Uh, my intention is to get back to every day, uh, show every night of the week, uh, very, very soon. So, um, I'm not going to push myself too, too hard. Uh, I'm going to take it as it comes and, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back for a regular schedule, uh, very, very soon. So I, I thank you for, um, for waiting. I thank you for all the, the kind notes and the, the concern that people have shown. Uh, when I posted up the story on, uh, on Facebook, the response I got surprised me, so I want to thank everybody who responded, everybody who reached out, everybody who uh, who cared enough uh, to to worry about my my health. Thank you very much. I'm on the mend. I am uh, I am doing much better today than I was back then, and I'm sure every day every day I'm getting stronger. and uh, And we'll be back on every night of the week in the next in the next couple of weeks for sure. Um, all right. So if you want to call in. And the lines are always open, one 669 1292 It's 1-877-669-1292. The, the lines are open throughout the entire show, so I appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to, uh, to, to call in, to joining the show. And uh, I, I wanted to, uh, to talk to you about a, 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 a surreal experience. It was, it was really a surreal experience that, uh, that I had just a few weeks ago. Uh, I took a trip to Florida, and I, I decided to go to Disney World. 
Now, I haven't been to Disney World since they went completely woke. It has not been on the top of my priority list, but uh, I had a few weeks off. I said, oh, why not? Let's go to Disney World. So we, we packed up the car and off we went. Uh, Disney World was interesting. Um, but the most interesting part of Disney World wasn't so much the park itself. That I didn't find interesting at all. Uh, it's an old park. Most of the park is old. There were a couple of nice uh, new rides that were that were interesting, but most of the park is old, and uh, and it's not that exciting. I guess if I was five years old or seven years old, I'd find it a lot more exciting. But uh, at my age, the park wasn't overly exciting. It was nice to know that I was able to get kosher food at the park. That's something I didn't know you were able to do. I was able to find kosher food at Disney, hot kosher food which was interesting. I, I didn't know that was available. So if you go to Disney, you can actually get hot meals. And they're not that expensive. It was uh, They average out to about nine bucks a meal, which isn't, isn't overly expensive when it comes to kosher food. What, what, what got me, though, and, and the thing that really, that really, really, really bothered me the entire trip was that every line that we stood in, and Disney, you stand in a lot of lines, uh, the the Disney people, the Disney people put together um, this this wonderful illusion that you were actually in the ride. So so if you go to a Peter Pan ride and you're standing in line, you're standing in Peter Pan's uh, uh, bedroom. Then you move into Wendy's bedroom. And then you're and Tinkerbell's flying all over the place. It's really a cool experience when you're when you're looking around and looking at all the detail and all the uh, and all the work that went into creating the decor. Uh, of the areas that you're standing in while waiting to get on a two-minute ride, while waiting multiple hours to get onto a two-minute ride. Um, what got me was that 90% of the people standing in line were staring at their phones, staring into their screens. And I started thinking, here you are, you're paying hundreds of dollars a day to go to a fantasy land to to get away from life for for a couple of hours you, you you spend hundreds of dollars a day to go on a vacation to go there and you don't even notice what's on or going on around you all you know what's happening is on your screen it's it's mind-blowing when you think about it that people are are, are missing out life is happening around them and they're missing out to me, to me, that's mind-blowing. It's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. This, this addiction to cell phones is a terrible thing. Now, now cell phones have their place in society, and uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating getting rid of cell phones. And I, I wouldn't even dream of saying that you know, technology is moving too fast and that humanity can't keep up, our, our limited brain space can't keep up with the technology that's, that's being, that's being uh, exposed everywhere. Uh, I would never say that, although that's probably true. But what I am saying is that we are so busy staring into our phones, so busy with our technology, so busy worried about uh, missing out on something else that we're missing out at what we're currently at. I was watching a uh, football game on TV. I was flipping through and watching a football game. And when they, when they panned to the audience, half the people were on their cell phones. The game is right in front of them. They're on their cell phones. I was at a Just for Laughs Festival um, comedy show. Uh, we covered the Just for Last Festival here on the Howie Silberger Show and uh, here on True Talk Radio. You can check out the reviews of some of the shows on truetalkradio.com. We have the reviews up on truetalkradio.com. It's on the Just for Laughs uh, 2022 page on the uh, 
on the on, on the True Talk Radio website. Um, and you go into a show. We were at a comedy show, and I was laughing because um, we were, it was at a big venue, and everybody at the venue pretty much had advantage of seeing the screen. Some of us were a little farther from the screen than uh, seeing the stage. Some of us were a little farther from. So they put up two screens, and and there were so many people who were feet, literally a couple of feet away from the stage who were staring at the screens, watching the television broadcast of the show that's happening live in front of them because they couldn't take their eyes off a screen. A screen existed. Their eyes had to be glued to the screen. Now, this addiction is, is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing because people are missing out on life. So, so here you have, you're, you're living your life, vicariously through a, an imaginary world that's created through an electronic device. When the real world is happening around you and you're paying money to go and see the real world. People who went to that, to that just for last show paid $100 or $80 to $100 a ticket to get in. And yet they, they are sitting there watching TV. It's kind of scary. I, I find it scary. I don't know about you, but I find it scary. Um, I remember I worked in a high school where kids would go into the lunchroom at lunchtime and they would sit across the table from each other and text each other. They could have easily just spoken across the table, just used their words and their, their voices to communicate across the table. They chose not to. And why would they choose not to? Because it's easier to communicate by text. This is their language. This is their culture. This is the way they are today. And when I, when I make these statements to a kid and I say, hey, maybe you should put the phone down and like pay attention to what's going on around you, they look at me like I'm a dinosaur. What are you talking about? Put the phone down. Huh, are you crazy? And try to take a kid's phone away today? Man, the temper tantrum, the screaming, the yelling, the crying, the, the withdrawal that they go through for not having their phone on them, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It really, it's really snaps your mind. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two, and 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 we're being pushed into the direction of uh, of digital, of of using a screen for everything. Uh, have you gone to Walmart lately? I don't like pushing brands, but if you go into Walmart, you become a Walmart employee. You collect your stuff from the shelves. You go to the cash and you check yourself out. You become a Walmart employee. They have no more caches at Walmart. It's all checkout. Uh, check out you checking out. So, do they give you a discount for that? If I'm going to do the work and save them the job of the save them the salary of a cashier, to have a poor cashier lose her job or his job, uh, and I'm going to do their job for them, should I not get a ten percent discount or a twenty percent discount? Should I not be rewarded for doing a job uh, and saving them a salary? Should we not all be rewarded for that? We should. We should. I'm not a cashier. I make mistakes. Uh, I was at a self-checkout today, f not by uh, because I had no choice to be. I, I was at a self-checkout today where uh, I, I plugged something in and uh, you know, the machine started beeping and buzzing. And, and the cashier had to come by and she, she talked to me like I was a child. No, sir, that's not how you do it. This is how you have to do it. She, she explained to me like I was a five-year-old. And, and I looked at her, and I listened to what she was saying, and I thought, I didn't say it, because, I mean, being rude to, to people just trying to do their jobs is probably not the nicest thing in the world, and I, I wouldn't do that. 
But I looked at her and I said, and I was thinking, I was thinking, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not my job. Uh, I, it's not that I need special training to be a cashier, but I, I did not choose that as my profession. That's not what I do for a living. So why am I forced to do that when I'm spending my money in a store? It's the same thing with, with, with buying a bag. Why do I have to buy a bag? Bags used to be free. Used to give me paper bags for free. And then the, then the tree huggers came along and said, paper bags are no good. You can't use paper bags. You're killing too many trees. So they flipped them over to plastic bags. And then now plastic bags, uh, they were giving out for free. And then, the, and then the tree huggers came and said, hey, wait a second, you can't use plastic bags because they're clogging up our environment. Look, look at the landfills. Look at the uh, plastic doesn't decompose for 10,000 years. What are you doing? You're killing the environment. So they flipped back to paper bags. But this time they started charging for them. So, so a service that was given to me for free, I'm now paying for. Tell me that makes any sense and nobody complains. Now, if the money that they were charging me for paper bags and plastic bags actually went to help the environment, it actually went to some environmentalist group that was doing real work to help save the environment, I probably wouldn't complain so much. But the money's going into the pockets of the stores. So here are stores that were giving you a service that are now charging you for the same service. And nobody complains. Because apathy is something that we accept in society. You pay $150, $200 a day to go to Disney and you stand in line for seven hours waiting for a ride. Okay, it's a little bit of an exaggeration. Sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's two hours. You're standing in line for an hour or two hours to go, to go to a ride. Why are you doing this? Why are you paying to go and stand in line? You spend three quarters of your day standing in line. Why? Because Disney hasn't figured out a way to speed up the process. Because they don't care enough to speed up the process. They know people are going to pay for it anyway. The same way the supermarkets know you're going to pay for a bag. And then when you decide, okay, okay, fine. I don't want your lousy paper bags or your cheap plastic bags that you want to sell me for 25 cents or 15 cents or 10 cents. No. Give me one of those recycling bags. Give me a bag that I can reuse. Oh, sir, that's an extra $1.50. Oh, wait a second. So, so, so now you're telling me that the paper bag I was using that wasn't recyclable for some reason, paper wasn't recyclable, that bag you're now charging me a quarter for. So before you were charging me a quarter, it was no good to use because it wasn't recyclable. Now that you're charging me a quarter, suddenly it's okay to use. Okay, so I'll, I'll overlook that hypocrisy right there. And then I could also buy a plastic bag, which was no good because it clogs up the environment and the environment, uh, the environment's going to die because everybody, we're all going to choke to death because plastic bags are killing everything. So uh, I, I can't use the plastic bag unless I pay a quarter for it. Then, then it's okay. Then I can use the plastic bag. No problem. And now if I want an environmentalist bag, oh, yeah, well, we're going to save the environment by reusing these bags. We have these plastic reusable bags. You charge me two bucks for a reusable bag? <laughs> okay, shouldn't the reusable bags be free? And the bags that you're saying are clogging up the environment and, uh, and destroying the economy and destroying everything that we know, uh, all life that we know, shouldn't those be discontinued? So if they're dangerous for the, for the world and they're killing the world, should we not discontinue those plastic and paper bags and just hand out for free recyclable bags, reusable bags? 
If everybody got a reusable bag for free, or two, or three reusable bags for free, <clears throat> aside from the people like me who continuously forget them in their cars, um, shouldn't everybody be bringing their bags with them to go and get stuff? I mean, that's that's logically how it should work, isn't it? But I know, I know, I know it's a problem. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm putting logic into something that's not logical. I'm trying to understand something that's not understandable. And that's the problem. That's the problem we have in the world today is that we try to apply logic to stupidity, to idiocy, to 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 moronic stuff. YouTube took down three of my shows already. Three shows where I questioned the mask mandate. Now, I'm not going to get into the details because they're going to rip down this show, too. So I won't get into the details of what I said. But three shows were taken off YouTube and I was given a strike that I violated their 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 terms of service because I questioned the the uh, the efficiency of masks, the efficacy of masks, uh, especially during the COVID pandemic, and and they threw me off. That means that somebody listening to the show complained about what I was saying, and then YouTube came and looked and said, "Okay, get out," and they gave me a strike. So we have two more strikes, and then we're out. Then we're off YouTube. They'll they'll throw us off, and they they'll never let us back on. That's fine. I it doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. But what does bother me is that that you know when stupidity happens and and governments push stupidity and the media pushes stupidity and then the only platforms you have to talk to your audience are are validating that stupidity by censoring you that that's my issue it's more the censorship than it is the content of what they're censoring so so they don't like what i have to say so they take me off the air it's as simple as that if I don't like what you're saying, you can't be on my platform. And I suppose because these are private companies that, that that's okay. I mean, if I went into a shopping mall and I stood on a bench in a shopping mall and I started screaming at the people and uh, started started preaching in a shopping mall, uh, I'm sure security would come and ask me to leave and they'd have every right to do that. So as a private company, I YouTube has every right to remove me. Facebook has every right to remove me. Instagram uh, all these all these services have every right to remove or censor my, my my speech and decide what they want on their on their network they they have every right to do that but they're not private companies these companies get special deals from the government where where they're not responsible for what's published on their on their sites they're not responsible for paying certain taxes they're not responsible for a lot of things and the government gives them these breaks and gives them this 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 uh, this blanket immunity to liability, so that they could be open and free platforms, kind of like the cable company is not responsible if they carry five hundred channels, and one channel does something that's illegal or immoral, the cable company is not liable for that. The channel is liable for that, and so the cable company is not. In the business of censoring channels, so uh, if if a channel is doing something that the cable company disagrees with, the cable company could talk to the channel's owners or uh, or talk to the people in charge of the channel. But the, but the cable company won't necessarily uh, take the channel off the air. Will they? I don't think they will. Uh, I I don't think that that's that's a possibility. I don't think that's what they'll do. But anything's possible. In today's world, anything's possible. Men are men, women are women. I mean, that's not a true statement anymore in today's world. 
anything is possible. So when I was growing up, they told me, hey, Howie, you know, uh, if you study hard and you work hard and you're, you're a kind person, you're a good person, anything in life is possible. And now I'm starting to realize as I get older and older, I'm starting to realize that they're right. Anything is possible. Even the absurd, even the crazy, even the stuff that defies logic and defies, defies uh, science and defies biology. Even that is possible. And that should scare all of us. You should be as scared of this as I am. You, you should be, you, we should be marching in the streets. We should be screaming and yelling and demanding that, that this stuff be called out as ridiculous. But then again, who makes that decision on what is ridiculous and what isn't ridiculous? I was listening to a guy speak the other night. He, he, uh, he was giving a speech and, uh, and he said, he said, I hate the Supreme Court of the United States because of their decision on Roe versus Wade. And he says, when the Supreme Court makes a wrong decision, I stopped right there, I, I'm thinking, and I stopped listening right after he says, when they make a wrong decision. I said, what do you mean by a wrong decision? Because you disagree with it doesn't make, a, make it a wrong decision. Because you think that you know better than a Supreme Court justice on what the law should be. That doesn't make it a wrong decision. It just makes it a decision that you disagree with. And in today's world, people don't understand that. They don't understand that people could have differing opinions. That I could believe in something totally different than you believe in. And I could still be your friend and we could still discuss it. And we could agree to disagree on topics. Nobody agrees to disagree anymore. That used to be a big thing. I agree to disagree, sir. You know, you may be, uh, you may be 100% wrong. You may be 100% right. But I'll agree to disagree. That used to be something. I... I, I I used to do that all the time. I used to agree to disagree. Okay, fine. We're never going to agree on this. We are never going to resolve this issue between you and me. So let's just agree to disagree. And let's move on. We're, we're continue to be friends. We continue to talk. We talk about something else. But we agree that on this particular topic, we disagree. It's not a hard thing. It's not, it's not rocket science, as they say. It's not, it's not like you know complex algebra. It's just understanding that people have different perspectives on things. And our perspectives are based on our life experiences, on our education, uh, our socioeconomic uh, status. A whole lot of things uh, are contingent on, on, what, on the way we look at the world. And we have to understand that. And in general, we don't understand that. At least most of society doesn't understand it today, or at least the vocal part of society. I won't say most part of society. I, I think society is relatively intelligent. I, I think there are very intelligent people in society, but I think those intelligent people kind of keep out of the limelight. And they keep out of the limelight because they don't want to fight with the stupid people. The stupid people are on television. The stupid people are the ones who are screaming and yelling and marching in the streets. Stupid people are the ones who are pushing ridiculous, ridiculous policies. And the smart people are sitting back and either laughing or, 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 or sitting back silently in fear. Because there's no other way to put this, but it's a scary situation. When the asylums take over, when the, when the, when the inmates take over the asylum, you know you have a big problem. It's, it's, it's a huge, huge problem. one 877 That's 1-877-669-1292 to get in on the conversation. I'm Howie Silberger. It's the Howie Silberger Show. Don't forget to download the True Talk Radio Network app. You can get it from the App Store, uh, the iPhone App Store, the uh, Android App Store. The the uh, the app works on everything. 
So don't forget to uh, don't forget to download the app. Uh, on the app, there's more than the Howie Silberger show. You'll you can hear 24 hours of programming right here on True Talk Radio, uh, including some great shows like uh, like like uh, the Ben Shapiro show and uh, and shows like the Mark Levin show and uh, local shows. We have we have a whole contingent of Montreal shows. Peter Anthony Holder does a show. Remember him? He he does a show called The Stuff File, and that airs here on True Talk Radio. You have uh, Rick Keane's music scene. Which is a which is a fascinating look in into music from a music insider. You have inside the vault with Sheldon Eric Fried. You have uh, two shows by me, the Political Hitman and the Howie Silberger Show. We have we have the Rant Network. There's two guys who get on there and rant. I mean, there's so much to listen to uh, all day long. So tune in to TrueTalkRadio.com. Uh, download the True Talk Radio Network app from the app stores, and uh, and join the True Talk Radio experience. Uh, very, 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 very soon, uh, it's imminent, uh, we are launching True Rock Radio. Uh, the, um, it is in the process of being, uh, of being put together, and that will be a rock radio station. It will be a 24-hour, uh, seven-day-a-week radio station that will play only rock music. Maybe it's a little bit of adult contemporary, but uh, it will be a music station. I will let you know when that happens and when that's up and uh, how to access that. Uh, that's coming up uh, really soon. True Rock Radio. Uh, a little while back, I don't know if you remember this, those of you who, uh, who've who been part of the show for a while. Uh, remember, I purchased uh, Cafe Rock Radio. And uh, Cafe Rock Radio, we are spinning off into True Rock Radio. So that's happening, um, that's happening imminently. So as I uh, before before we um, before we took that little interlude into uh, into into promo land, there was a um, I, I was talking about um, you know how, how the world has gone quite crazy. We we are we are living in a time, uh, and I know most old people will probably say the same thing. You know, when I was a kid, I uh, <laughs> that's that's generally what we hear, um, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is we live in a crazy world. We live in a world where, where, where we're not even where, where there are people, there are justices, Supreme Court justices of the United States of America, the highest court in the land, who can't define the word woman. That's where we're living. That's the world we're living in. It's crazy. It's a nut, it's a nutty world. So there was a um, there was an article in the paper just the other day, talking about. Drag queens that read to children in libraries. Now, I have to be honest with you. and I, uh, I really don't care how people dress or what their sexual orientation is or, or how they feel that they are or who they are. I, I couldn't care less. In my opinion, and I've expressed this before on the show and I will express it forever until I take my last breath. In my opinion... Your sexual prowlessness, your sexual preferences, your preferences on the way you want to dress or the way you want to identify or anything else it is your business. It's not my business. I don't care at all what you do in your bedroom, what you do behind closed doors. So don't bother me with, with, with what you do behind closed doors. So if you have a sexual orientation that's different than mine, that's fine. You're entitled to it. You could do what you want. In your bedrooms, don't bother me. I don't bother you. I don't do stuff out of my bedroom. You don't do stuff out of your bedroom. And what we do behind closed doors is our own private stuff. And it's not your business, not my business. 
So let's leave it at that. So drag queens reading to children didn't make any sense to me. Number one, why would we hire drag queens to read to little children? What, what, is, the, what is the educational benefit of having a drag queen rather than just anybody reading to little kids? Is there some kind of entertainment value that's, that's incorporated into this? But if there is entertainment value, do the drag queens do a burlesque show to a bunch of six-year-olds? I'm not sure what the advantage of having drag queens reading to kids are. It, didn't make, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, let's say there is some kind of educational value, which I, I, I can't see what it possibly could be. But let's assume that there is some kind of educational value to hiring drag queens to read to kids. Um, why publicize it? So the only the only conclusion I could come to, and I've thought about this for a little while. I haven't put too much brain power into this because, um, I mean, I, I don't want to lose too many brain cells. Uh, but I but I thought about this for a little while, and I came to the conclusion that that the only reason that people are talking about drag queens, re- you know, reading to kids, is because they're trying to push a political point. Like everything else in the world, they're trying to push a political philosophy. And by saying drag queens are, are reading to our kids, what they are actually saying is that you have to accept drag queens. This is normalizing the drag queen culture or whatever whatever they want to call it. Uh, once again, I don't care. I know it's weird. I, I host a show that talks about stuff and I care about a lot of things. But, but this stuff here, I just don't care. Why you bother me with this stuff? Why does my brain have to be cluttered with drag queens? Who cares? Why do I have to read about it in the paper? If a guy wants to dress, wear, wear a dress and, and go read to kids, go read to kids wearing a dress. As long as you don't molest the kids, you don't bother the kids, you don't do anything to the kids that's inappropriate, then... then I don't care if you're wearing a dress. I don't care if you're wearing pants. I don't care if you're wearing a cowboy hat or a pirate hat and an eye patch. Read to the kids. Who cares if you're dressed in costume? Why is this a big deal? Why are there people protesting this? What is the difference? Now, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm talking about, you know, people dressed in dresses, reading to kids in libraries. I'm not talking about the... Uh, the shows that, that that we hear about in the states, where where they're taking kids to to bars where there's alcohol being served and and some kind of sex show going on. Now I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about just people dressed in dresses or dressed in men's clothes or women's clothes, whatever. Those people reading to kids. It's not harmful. Who cares? As long as they don't do anything to the kids, who cares? And that's my take on it. Now it kind of reminds me of. Um, yeah, I know that somebody out there is going to, to, to misquote me. I, I can guarantee that somebody out there is going to misquote me. I say, he's anti-trans! I'm, give me a break. Uh, I can't be anti-something I don't care about. You see, you see, in order to be anti-something, in order to be counter-something, in order to be opposed to something, you have to care about it. I, I don't care about the topic enough to be opposed to it. I don't care about the topic enough to be for it. I just don't care. It reminds me a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a dozen years ago, uh, the, 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 one of the synagogues in Montreal decided that they were going to, um, they were going to celebrate their 75th 
anniversary of the synagogue by hiring a gospel choir. Now, I, I know saying this out loud again, like so many years later, saying it out loud back, back then when it was happening, uh, I found the whole thing ludicrous. But saying it now, I find it even more ludicrous that a synagogue would hire a, um, a, uh, a gospel choir to celebrate their birthday. It seems, seems outlandish and crazy. But that's what the synagogue did. So I did a show on it uh, years and years and years ago. And, um, and, and, and one of my callers called in and said something that was, that was a little off color. Uh, what she said was, maybe the rabbi will bring his boyfriend to the concert. Uh, okay, fine. So, so that, that's what was said. And I was like, uh, okay, whatever. And I hung up on the person and we moved on. And we moved on. Uh, a couple of days later, I saw that my friend, uh, David Abitball, Owns Julicious, a great website. Uh, Julicious uh, had had posted a clip from that um, from that event of the gospel choir singing at the synagogue's birthday, and um, there were comments, and I started reading the comments, and yeah, one comment, oh, what a beautiful thing, and yeah, okay, whatever, and then one comment said, oh yeah, I heard about this on a particularly anti-gay, homophobic. Howie Silberger show. And I sat back and I thought about it for a second. Anti-gay and homophobic? Anti-gay and homophobic? Really? Because a caller called in and made a statement that I that I that I did just ignored and hung up on? Made me anti-gay and homophobic? And I thought about it, and then I forgot about it and I moved on until until the argument started being made about Donald Trump being a white supremacist. And that's when all those thoughts came back and that whole, that whole concept of that idea came back. That because a caller called into my show and said that, and made some, some, some insulting remark about the rabbi of the synagogue, that somehow I, I validated that remark by hanging up on a person and ignoring them. Uh, and... Donald Trump was a politician, and he he exposed some ideas that that that, that some racist latched onto, and that kind of makes Donald Ra- Trump racist. Guilty by association. I thought we lived in a democracy. I thought we lived in a free world. Uh, I didn't think that guilty by association worked in a in a free world democracy, in a democracy where you're presumed innocent until proven guilty. I, I didn't think that that um, guilt by association was a thing. I mean, sure, it was a thing in communist Russia. You know this guy who knew this guy who knew this guy who was anti-communist, so I'm going to kill you all. That that was the thing in Russia, in, in communist Russia. But but in Canada, in free Canada, in free United States, didn't make any sense to me. So I I, I didn't take much offense to the to the comment. and uh, Because you, know, you have to care about what the person thinks in order to be offended by it. So I really didn't care so much about what the person thought to be offended by it. But it just brought back that memory as... That, that, that we can't just do the association thing and, and say you're guilty by association. Uh, I tend to never do that. And if I do, please call me out on it because I, I don't intend to do that. If, if I end up doing that ever, please call me up and call me out on it. It's, it's, it's totally ludicrous. So we got, we got a couple of comments. We, um, we got a comment on Facebook. Let's see. The mockery and fuckery of humanity continues. The agenda is to divide humanity. I guess we're not divided enough. The um, 
the great Lubavitch Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the late Lubavitch Rebbe, he, uh, he, he addressed uh, the idea of divisions in Judaism. And he said, you know, some people call themselves reform and conservative and orthodox. They, they, you know, there's all these divisions in, in society. He said he didn't see division, he said. He didn't see Orthodox Jews and unorthodox Jews. He didn't see uh, he didn't see uh, right wing Jews and left wing Jews. He didn't see Reform Jews and and conservative Jews and and uh, and humanist humanist Jews and whatever else there is, whatever divisions there are. He saw Jews. He said we're all Jews. He said some of us are more observant, some of us are less observant. Doesn't matter. We're all Jews. We're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters of the same cloth. And I like to think about that as, as humanity. I like to think of humans like that. I like to think that we're all the same. That there's not much difference between me and an Orthodox Muslim or, or a Muslim in general or, or, or a Catholic. Sure, we might believe in different things. Maybe our, 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 our viewpoints on religion are different. Maybe we believe in different gods. That's possible too. But at the end of the day, we all come down to the same thing. We're all human. We're all flesh and blood. We're all, you know, if, if you shoot me, I will die. Same way with everyone else. They will all die if they get shot. If I get sick, I go see a doctor. If they get sick, they go see a doctor. We're all homo sapiens. So being humans pretty much equalizes us all. We're all equal. I can't say that I'm a better person or a better or better human being because I'm Jewish than 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 a guy who's Christian. I'm not a better human being. Now, does do I believe that I have the right religion? Of course I do, because all religious people, all people of every faith, believe that their faith is the faith. Otherwise, wouldn't be worshiping that faith. Do I believe that my God is the God? Of course I do, because if if I didn't, then I wouldn't be a Jew. I wouldn't be part of my religion. As as every other religion, so you know, Muslims have to believe that Muhammad was the prophet. If they didn't believe Muhammad was the prophet, they they can't be a Muslim. Christians have to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. If they don't believe that, then you're not you know you're not a Catholic. So so this is this is you know these divisions in society exist on a kind of a natural level, but we keep subdividing it and subdividing it and subdividing it, right wing, left wing, religious, non-religious. Um, we just keep dividing and dividing and dividing, cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. And you know what happens to a pie? If you take a pie and you keep cutting it into slices and you keep slicing and dicing it, you know what happens? There's nothing left to eat. This is, the pie falls apart. There's no structure left. Every house needs a foundation. If you keep slicing the foundation away, the house is going to collapse. The world needs a foundation. We need we need a foundation. The foundation is that we were all created equal. We were all humans. We we were all the same. We may believe in different things, but we're all the same. Now, if everybody believed that, and everybody followed that, there would be far less wars in the world. There'd be far less conflict in the world, and there'd be far less fighting, internal fighting, interpersonal fighting in the world. We'd have a lot more friends, wouldn't we? Uh, for years, for years and years and years, I had friends who were vehemently anti-Israel, vehemently anti-Israel, who protested against the state of Israel. Now, I, I, I was friends with them. 
I went out with them. I hung out with them. And everyone used to look at me and say to me, Howie, you do a pro-Israel radio show. You, you stand at a rally. You, you ran a rally. You ran multiple rallies, uh, pro-Israel rallies. And you stand with people and you're friends with people who are anti-Israel. How could that possibly be? Why do you hang out with these traitors? And I used to look at them. And I still do. Because I, I guarantee that three quarters, if not all of my friends, disagree with most of my political opinions. And you know the people who tell me that, I look at them and I say to them, because I disagree on a political point, because I disagree on something political, I can't be friends with somebody? I don't understand. I don't get it. Why can't I be friends with somebody that I disagree with? Where's the crime? It just makes for a more interesting conversation. I could sit and talk to people and actually have something to talk about, not just, yeah, I agree with you, Howie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Oh, well, how about this? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well I heard you say this the other day on the show. Yeah, that's boring. It's more interesting to talk to people who disagree with you. It's more interesting to get a different perspective, a different point of view. If you live in an echo chamber, you never get another point of view, never get another perspective. You're stuck in a narrow in a narrow, intrinsic point of view, you end up, you end up, you end up intellectually dead. That's where you end up. You can't grow intellectually if you live in an echo chamber. And I keep trying to explain this to some of my friends who watch CNN religiously, and they won't turn on any other station except for CNN. I keep saying to them, if you live in that echo chamber and you believe everything you see on CNN, then you're never intellectually growing. You are never understanding the entire entity of what they're talking about. You don't understand the entire story. It's impossible for you to understand the entire story. How could you possibly understand the story if you're only getting one side? If you don't hear the second side, you don't know what the story is. And this is something that I've been pushing for years. I've been talking about this for years. I like to watch everything. I like to listen to everything. I like to talk to everybody. There are people who don't want to talk to me, and that's fine. You, you, it's your option. You don't have to talk to me. Nobody has to be my friend. Nobody has to talk to me. I, I, I like having friends. I like talking to people. But if you choose not to talk to me, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm not even going to question you on it. But if you're choosing not to talk to me, you better have a better reason than just I disagree with everything he says. Because if that's the reason that you're choosing not to talk to me, you're a very shallow person. There's no intellectual depth. If I can't have a conversation with you where I say to you, listen, I disagree with everything you're saying. I don't, I don't agree with a word you said. It's, it's totally, totally out of my realm of understanding how you could believe something like that. And you say the same thing to me. And then I could say to you, well, let's just agree to disagree or let's let's argue this out. Maybe maybe I can have a better understanding of the way you think and you can have a better understanding of the way I think. We're never going to convince each other of our points of view. We're never going to convince each other that um, that um, that 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 they, you were wrong and I was right. No, I was wrong and you were right. Whatever. We're never going to convince each other. But at least we could understand each other. We could go into a debate understanding each other's point of view. 
We go into a debate understanding where each other stands, understanding the arguments. But there are some people who will never do that. There are some people who will say, your argument is wrong and that's all I care about and I don't want to hear it. I never want to hear anything you have to say. You're intellectually stunted. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to be intellectually stunted. A lot of intelligent people are intellectually stunted. But, but you're stunting yourself. You're handicapping yourself for no reason. To listen to a different perspective, to listen to a different point of view. You refuse to do it? Why would you do that? You don't want to learn something? There's a little bit of truth in every point of view. There's a little bit of truth in every argument. So I, I like to listen to all the arguments, so at least I have a balance. I, I understand. one 1292 is the number to call. one 1292 to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. Now, there used to be libraries. Libraries used to exist, and people used to go to libraries and, uh, and research stuff in libraries. And when you research stuff in libraries, you always found um, you know, an encyclopedia or some kind of reference book that gave you a certain perspective on everything. Now, there was never a book. I've never found a research, a research book or a reference book that, that gave it right down the middle, that, that just said, okay, look, you know, there were, there were Hutus and Tutus, and uh, they hated each other, and uh, this is why they hated each other, and, and didn't give a perspective on who was, who was right and who was wrong. There was always a perspective. If you go to a media source, there's always a perspective. If you go to uh, if you go to anything, go online and you find websites to research whatever topic you're looking at, there's always a perspective. And so the idea is that, that okay, fine. So there's one perspective here and there's one perspective there. And we can take that one perspective and that one perspective and we put them together. And, you know, we hear the right side, we hear the left side, and then, you know, you know the truth is somewhere in between the two of them. And that's generally the way it works. Is you hear one story, you hear another, you hear the other story, and then the truth is some something in between. No side is going to tell you the full story, because remember, and and this is what I always taught in my history classes forever, is that history is his story, right? Um, uh, the story of the winner, the the victor, the the person who won the war wrote the history. So there was a whole different perspective from the losing side that you never hear. So so it's always the winning side that wins the that that, that writes the books. So you never hear from the losing side, so you don't know that perspective. Now, maybe, maybe the winners weren't the nice people in the situation, but they wrote the story. So you got to believe what they wrote. Because you weren't there, and I wasn't there, and I, I can't judge them, and you can't judge them. You can't judge what they're telling you, and I can't judge what they're telling you, because we weren't there. The only way to be able to counter a story like that is to actually witness the story. And when it deals with history, it's very hard to witness history. Um, if it's happened already, <laughs> it's almost impossible to witness history. So you just kind of believe what's written in the history books. You kind of believe what's written on the websites. You kind of believe the research that was done on things. But even researchers research with the eye, with, the, with an, one eye open and one eye closed. And the reason for that is that the closed eye doesn't see the stuff that the funders of the research doesn't want to hear. So the open eye sees everything that the funders want, and the closed eye sees everything that the funders don't want. And the stuff that the funders don't want either doesn't get reported or just kind of disappears into, uh, into the ether, as they say. Money talks. 
The first job I ever had, I was working for a newspaper, and I covered a story. I covered an Israel rally, a pro-Israel rally. At that rally, there were anti-Israel protesters protesting at that rally. I went and I did a balanced story. I, I, I spoke to the anti-Israel protesters. I spoke to the pro-Israel protesters. And I wrote a fairly balanced story. And the publisher came to me and said to me, Hey, Howie, unfortunately, I can't run your story. I need it to be fully pro-Israel. So take out everything that's anti-Israel in here and make it fully pro-Israel. And I said to him, I'm sorry, I'm a journalist, and my job is to ensure that the, um, that the, the, entire, the entire story is told. So both sides, balanced journalism, objective, balanced journalism. I'm not here to express an opinion. I'm here to cover the story. And he said, listen, boy, I'm the publisher. I pay for the newspaper. You do what I tell you to do. And I'm telling you now you have to change the story. Well, I refused to change the story. And so they changed it for me and published an altered version of my story, which caused me to walk out and quit the newspaper on my third day there. Because I have integrity. And I wasn't going to allow them to change the story. I put my name on it. But that taught me a very valuable lesson. I was very young at the time, and it taught me a very valuable lesson. And the lesson that it taught me was basically that he who has the money has the say. So the people who own the media source will tell you what you want, what they want you to hear. They're not going to tell you the truth. They're not going to tell you both sides. They're not going to give you an unbiased perspective. They're going to tell you what they want you to hear. And if that is the case, then we have to understand that we have to do our own research. We have to, we have to be able to watch different perspectives. We have to be able to look at different sides of the story. We have to be able to understand that there is creative editing and rewriting and all sorts of stuff that goes on in media newsrooms that the general public may not even know about, but it happens on a continuous basis. Now, once we know and understand that that's what's happening, then we can understand that one source of media is not sufficient in order to understand the story. We have to understand that two sources of media are probably not sufficient to understand the full story. That you have to look at four or five or six or seven varying um, opinions to get the full story. Because there's no real news organizations anymore. They're all opinion organizations. And now they've even started writing opinion into news stories. So it's just basic opinion. Once we understand that, once we understand that, then we can understand that that, that world politics exists only because it's fed by the media. That the media basically controls the world. Politicians don't control the world. The population doesn't control the world. The people who manipulate people's minds control the world. And once we understand that, then we understand that when people's faces are glued to their phones and they're watching their phones rather than watching what's going on around them, when they're standing in line at Disney World after paying hundreds of dollars to get into the park and they're staring at their phones endlessly throughout the day instead of looking around, going around around them. They're being brainwashed like the rest of us. They're being a, their addiction to their cell phone is a form of brainwashing. 
and the stuff that they're watching is influencing their world and their perspective on everything else in the world. And that is the scariest thing in the world, that if four or five media companies have control of 90% of human minds. It's, 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 it's scary. And when you think about it, the more you think about it, the scarier it gets. I'm, uh, and how do you reverse it? That's, that's the big question. Where do you go? Where, how do you turn it around? How do you take it and, and, and tell people, listen, you've been brainwashed. The media has got, got a grip on you. you you're, you're addicted to your cell phone. Most people, you'll tell them, you're addicted to your cell phone. They'll say, no, I'm not. I'm not addicted to it. I mean, I could put it down anytime. Take the cell phone away. Turn it off for five minutes and see how crazy those people go. You'll see how addicted they are. That's part of the brainwashing. You know, it's not new. It's not new. In the 1930s, the Nazi party brainwashed all of Europe and managed to convince them that Jews were vermin and that they could destroy the world. They have to be destroyed, which led to the Holocaust and, and, and murder factories being set up and people voluntarily running murder factories, murdering other human beings simply because they were told that these human beings weren't human, even though obviously they were. That you know, this kind of brainwashing allowed for, for overthrowing of dictatorships. This kind of uh, brainwashing allowed for the establishment of dictatorships. Throughout history, this kind of brainwashing has taken different forms. But the form it's taking now, through media and through uh, through electronics and through digital communication, the form it's taking now is the most dangerous of the forms. The reason it's most dangerous is because it's the most immediate. When, uh, when William Randolph Hearst published that uh, America and Spain were going to war and the American government said, what are you talking about? And the Spanish government said, what are you talking about? It took five years for an American Spain to go to war. When Joe Biden said on CNN three times that Russia was going to attack Ukraine, and both Russia and Ukraine said, we have no idea what you're talking about. There's no intention. We have no intention of attacking Ukraine. And Ukraine said, we have no information that Russia's going to attack us. And then Joe Biden said, Russia's going to attack Ukraine again and again as the President of the United States goaded Russia to attack Ukraine. Russia finally did attack Ukraine. Now, is there, was that war inevitable? Probably. But it was probably way down the line, not when it happened. It happened because Joe Biden, the President of the United States, forced it to happen. But you have to be paying attention to notice that. But most of us, most of humans, are just staring into their phones. Ignoring what's going on around them. Not realizing the entirety of the problem. It's scary. It's sad. And I don't know if it's reversible. I, I, I sure hope it is. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger on the True Talk Radio Network. I will be back at midnight with Political Hitman right here on the True Talk Radio Network, so stay tuned for that. 
And uh, I will try to be back on tomorrow. Uh, if I make it on tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow. If not, I will see you on Thursday right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you later.